Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, it's Gene Marks, and thanks uh, for joining me on this week's episode of Thrive. Today, I spoke to Bethany Frankel. You probably know Bethany from the Real Housewives show, but she is the founder of Skinny Girl, a lifestyle brand, and Be Strong, a disaster relief initiative. And she also has a podcast called Just Be, and uh, she has just published her 10th book called Business is Personal, the truth about what it takes to be successful while staying true to yourself. And that's what we're talking about in our conversation. We're going to cover all sorts of things with Bethany, including time management and building brands. So join us. I think you'll like this quick conversation that I have with her. And here we go. All right. So Bethany, first of all, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Glad glad that you are here. Okay. So your 10th book is called Business is Personal, The Truth About What It Takes to Be Successful While Staying True to Yourself. Um, you know, as I told you before we got started talking, I, I read this thing cover to cover. It's really, really good. So you share some really good advice for business owners, for entrepreneurs. Um, you talk about, so I'm going to jump into it. First of all, you talk about being ruthless with your time. Um, you as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you have a lot of restrictions on your time. Um, you say that successful people are efficient people, squeeze every drop out of the sponge. So Give me some advice, Bethany. What do you do to manage your time so that you're as productive as possible? Excuse me. Uh, you really have to be playing chess and look what's going to be happening ahead of you to know how the pieces are going to move. And that involves being militant about your calendar and your schedule. And so that involves a lot of stacking. Like if you are in mode and you've got the computer up and uh, you've got one meeting, do all of your meetings, get all of that sort of work out of the way. So then when you have your free time, it's free time because I see a lot of people have choppy schedules. They have one thing in the middle of the day. That's the only thing they have. And then on other days it's similar, uh, versus having just free days and then pack days. So stacking is really critical. Just like we're doing it, let's fully do it. And for me, cause I'm, um, on television and uh, more public, if I am in hair and makeup, I am getting it all done. I'm checking every box. I just, I don't waste time. I don't procrastinate. It just, I know it has to be done. It's just, let's knock it out and then like, leave me alone. You know? So I feel like it's a feast or famine kind of way to live and you have to be like that. And also being militant about saying no. You know, you can't really have a great family life, work life, social life. You can't have it all time-wise. You have to choose your spots. Can you, you know, I'm still a little bit confused. And you, you wrote about this in the book about stacking. What what do you mean by stacking? Is that like blocking your time during the day and just getting things done within that block? Or is there is there something else to it? No, it means you have something going on on Tuesday at 1240. So the other meeting that you had on Thursday moved to move to Tuesday right after that. And that's the day that you have two meetings. You're already dressed. You're going to want to look presentable and you're already in mode and in motion. Sometimes it's hard to get in motion when you're static. So you're already in mode book, book an early drinks, a dinner, like do it. You're away on a trip, a business trip. You know, that's when you meet with your partner or your assistant or somebody versus like the next day, when you don't have that much going on and you don't want to see somebody you work with to have a meeting, stack it. You're ready in mode. You're, you're, you, that means when I'm in a car going out to the Hamptons, that's when I 
have all of my calls, my business calls, stack it. I want to talk to everybody, knock it out. I'm just sitting in a car doing nothing. What I don't want is to come back and my assistant to say, now you have this call. The first thing I'll say is why didn't we do that while I was burning time in the car? So it's, it's, it's effectively utilizing your time and maximizing your time. So then you can have free time and free time is when you can be with your family and free time is when you can come up with great creative ideas because you're just not jam packed every single day or having something to sort of dread on off days. So I really do. I did that in college too, though. I would take all my classes on the same day. It would end at nine 30 at night, but then I would have multiple days off in a row. It's just a very good practice and it sounds obvious, but it's not because most people don't do it. I see it all the time. I'm like, why did you do that then? Why? You know, I'm a person who will, you know, consult on people's like choices for what they're doing with their time. Be like, why, why would you go there then? You could do that on the way to that. You know, you got to really get that mindset and you can teach other people to have that mindset. Okay. That's good. You know, it's funny because a lot of my best clients do the same thing. You know, they do it. They make sales calls. So if they're going to be going out to Philadelphia for the day, they're going to be lumping in all their appointments in Philadelphia that day to see it instead of going back and forth. Um, And it's the same thing with scheduling things in their own time. Um, They just make sure that they're, they're lumping things in together so it doesn't keep them unproductive otherwise. Let's, well, lumping, let's it in together, um, lumping it together, but also going to check out a cool restaurant and meeting a friend you haven't seen in a while because like you're not that social and you're already doing it. So like then you could be with your family, sure. not feel the need to be social when you're back home, you know, because you feel like you have no life besides okay. work. So you did something. You had a drink. You had fun. You experienced something. All right, let's keep going. So, Bethany, some of my my smartest clients that I've learned from over the years um, are doing exactly what you recommended in your book, which is always about thinking ahead. So one of the themes that you have is about staying five steps ahead. Tell us the story about the potential screw up with a rosé wine that you were involved with and why it was important that you thought ahead or you know, hopefully were thinking ahead to avoid problems like you had in that situation. Are you talking about um, the show and that? It was your non. Yeah, it was your non-compete agreement that you had with 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 Beam. You were creating this rosé wine, and there was like a conflict, and people hadn't thought about some of the things in advance, and you were like kind of freaking out about it, right? Oh, it wasn't about it. That was. I think you're mixing stories. You're mixing two stories. It wasn't my 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 Beam situation. Was I I decided that I would never sell Skinny Girl accepting cocktails. I didn't know that this was a novel concept and that no one had ever done that before, that a big company would come to buy you and you would say, you're only buying this one piece because if it was was PG or some other company, they would buy a bunch of things, but Beam only works in cocktails. So why would they need to buy all my IP? Their answer would be, we're paying all this money. We want to be able to to own it just to protect it and what's around it. And I said, well, you don't need all this other stuff. I created a new category in, in ready to drink. I had changed the liquor industry permanently, which still exists today in so many ways. So they wanted this. And then um, in thinking about the contract, I'm always thinking about the chess game, which is what I was talking about before with time, where I'm not great. I don't know that I'm great at contacts. They're contracts. They're very tedious, but I'm great at concepts. So I thought to myself, reading everything, listening to everything, understanding everything, having everything translated for me, but that they wanted me to promote the brand and, and paid me for, for years to promote the brand. But I said, well, but I don't want to, you could do whatever you guys want. You own it, but I don't have to promote anything. I'll tell you what I will promote. I'll promote this. And then I gave a list of other things. Like if we had done a pina colada or if we had done a long Island, I see that I would promote these things. 
Well, I don't know what their communication was, but they did not put in wine and vodka, which is something that just months later they said they wanted to do. I said, great, you could do it. They said, well, we want you to promote it. I said, well, that wasn't in that list. And they said, well, we just paid you millions of dollars. And I said, well, that's a touching story, but you'll have to pay me again to promote wine and, and, and vodka because that wasn't in the contract. So I was thinking ahead of like anything that could possibly happen because anything can happen in a courtroom. And I am very, very tough ne to negotiate with. And I, not in a way that I'm doing it for money. It's never about the money. It's the points. I think of everything that could happen, every product I might happen, the exclusivity, how someone's locked me up. I really am good at that. I just closed a deal and it took a while because I'm, it's a long and arduous process to make sure that something doesn't come up that I'm annoyed by that I didn't think of. So you have to try to think of anything that can happen and you have to step away from it, come into it, like sleep on it, wake up on it. It, it just massage whatever the concept is and new ideas will come and ways to solve it. Are you doing all that on your own or are you, I mean, do you have like a team of people that you rely on? I mean, you, you can't be thinking of all of these potentialities that might be happening. You're not a lawyer, you know, you're not an accountant. So, I mean, do you bounce this off of other people? You can use that specific example if you talk to anybody about it beforehand. Um, the, as far as being an accountant, not good at that at all. That I have to talk to other people about tax situations and things right. like that. But the concept, I can understand certain monetary concepts. I'm like, wait, because yeah. that house is worth I know, that like much business advisors, house. you know what I mean? Well, right. But um, I then, no, once I get into a contract stage and we're getting into it, once we've gotten the money out of the way, then I discuss situations with my lawyers who, you know, we, they have case law on me because they've done my other licensing deals and the other things that might you know, they know right. if you do that, then you remember that last time when you did that with Shark Tank and then you couldn't do that. Remember this with, with Royal Housewives when you came up with this idea. I'm a more complicated case because I am an idea hamster. So I have products, I have taglines, I have intellectual property. I have like algorithms and labyrinths of like things that I think of. So it, it's very complicated and they have to really not leave a stone unturned. Um, but I crowdsource information. I'll talk to my fiance. If it's an entertainment industry question, I'll talk to a man who works at CIA, a big agency, then I ultimately figure it out. I mean, I'm as good as a lawyer in concepts that I come up with, like creative, all that stuff with uh, Beam was me. Like, but my lawyers at Grubman are excellent and they are really good at thinking about the technical things that could come up, like with a product or some something you could get jammed up on. They're really good at that. So it's a combination of crowdsourcing, making your own decision and just throwing everything into the pot and then baking it. But when you sign that paper, it's you signing it. So you really have to know what the hell you're doing and you got to hold tight and you got to be willing to walk, which is really hard. This project I just signed on, which is major. I was willing to walk. I'm always willing to walk, which is the best possible scenario. I'm always willing to walk because if it's not right, Beth it's not right. Understood. Understood. Bethany, give me your thoughts on bringing on investors. I know as you were writing your book, you were thinking about doing that for one or two of your your ventures. I don't know if you've made any progress with that. How do you how do you feel about bringing on outsiders that would be equity partners in any future ventures? Um, I've only ever had one equity partner, 50-50 on Skinny Girl Cocktails. It went well, but I did have somebody who like had a leash on me in certain ways, like things I couldn't do, things we had to decide together. I don't like having a leash. I don't interest, I'm not interested in having being beholden. I've had production deals where then I'm shackled and there's certain things I can't do. The podcast situation I wrote about in the book, like, I don't like that because I have so many ideas and so many things I can do on my own that if I am locked up, I don't like the feeling. If you have a great partner, like, 
like iHeart's a partner. They're not an equity partner per se, but you know, they bob and weave and understand that me doing things that might not be in the contract would be good for them. You know, you have to think about it. You're going to have a keeper. So if your debt is your own keeper or being held back is your keeper, that's one keeper. If you have someone invest, do not think that you're just getting free money and that you don't have another boss. You have another keeper. So just know that it could work. It could not work. It's like anything else, but I, it's having a keeper and there's a price to that. And for me, I think independence is, is, is very important, but with the right investor that can add value and elevate it, I might do it. But, but sometimes the right investor means a lot of money and they want you to like put the pedal to the metal. And you might not be at that point in your career where you want to put the pedal to anyone else's metal. Like you want to just like do it the way you want to do it, which is sort of where I'm at. At 30, I would have loved an investor, you know, but now I'm right. older. Okay. Um, you write about building a team in your book as well. So I'd like you to share some thoughts on doing that. And just to prompt you, you talked about establishing goals and expectations, about looking for workers who align with your mission, um, finding the right roles for people. You talked about Zoe, who, who you know, works for you as well. Um, give us some of your thoughts on building a team. Because again, you know, obviously people, our biggest asset, we struggle with building and finding the right people oh. to work with us and get along with them. You know, what, you know, I'm kind of curious, not only just your thoughts, I'm kind of curious about the mistakes that you might have made, you know, in oh the past God. when building a team. Mistakes in building a team. I never think of anything as a mistake because it's where you were. So building a team, I used to pay my assistant more money than I was paid because I needed someone to support me. So, you know, it was always run and gun, just someone to help you out without a big strategy and a big plan. Now I'm more organized with a hierarchy and an infrastructure. And it takes nurturing. You have to have processes in place. And, you know, I have to really be the one to establish those processes. Muscles get weak. You need to make sure that updates are happening, that daily calls are happening, and they're tedious. Like the stuff that holds a business together is tedious. I don't like tedious, but I have to do it. Like I was just talking to my assistant today. Something stupid like fell through yesterday because we didn't like really get granular and talk about the entire navigation of the day. And it's exhausting because you're in the day and you're busy. So it's no one's fault, but like, I try to just lead by example and say, look how we got jammed up there. And I think this is why. So even though it's annoying, it's like a relationship with your partner. You don't want to sit down and talk about how you feel and what's wrong and the in-laws and the situation. You don't want to deal with that, but you have to, otherwise, you know, cracks become craters. So it's like that with work where I, my assistant and I will sit down and we'll have to like sit down. She'll be like, can we please talk about blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to do it. And she doesn't want to do it because she's holding me to something. But you have to talk about blah, 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 because then it's all going to get blown up. So it's, 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 that's one thing about just like, like methods, but building a team, you know, you got it. Loyalty and hard work is number one. Like skill set is not as important as, as loyalty and hard work. It, it, it's necessary. And you want to teach that, but the others are, are like deal breakers, like someone that understands your culture that, that you have to do. And then you, you know, a weak link can pull the whole team down because teammates are trying to support each other and not throw each other under the bus. Um, people are also trying to get ahead. They could look bad because it's something somebody else didn't do. Like you gotta cut, you gotta, you gotta cut the fat if it's not good. Like you have to have all a game team players. And, and sometimes people are having a good week and having a good day and other people are having a crappy week and day, but in the aggregate, you really just can't have weak players. And my fiance said it to me this morning because there was something about a family member or someone that someone hired. He said, 
you can never, his father, Peter Burnin said, you can never hire someone you can't fire. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it's great advice. It's funny because the number, the number one source of new employees for a typical business is like existing employees and even like their family members. And uh, to me, that like opens up a can of worms because, you know, you could hire somebody from your business that's like the cousin or sister of somebody that works in then getting rid of them is, is a big headache. You know, you, you when you when you're interviewing people, though, I mean, you talked about like loyalty is very important and attitude is very important, not even necessarily skills, you know, which you're absolutely right about that. I, I how do you, how, I'm just curious. How do you evaluate that? You know, like say you're interviewing somebody to come onto your team you don't know this person usually from Adam. Um, you don't know if they've got the loyalty for you, if they're going to still be around two months from now. I'm kind of curious, like, do you have any advice for when you're hiring, what you're looking for in a potential employee of yours? You need to sniff out. I am good at the loyalty part. Like, I've, I, as bad as I am at other parts about hiring, there's not, no one's better at the loyalty part. Like, I have knock wood. I have had... I've had people that I've fired go testify in court for me in my custody trial. Like I have loyalty to like the end. I'm still friends with former assistants. It, they could have been crying half the time because the job was hard or they couldn't do it, but they're still friends of mine. Like, you know, I, it, it's, it's a hard job because it's personal and business, which is obviously the name of the book. But, um, you cannot know until someone gets into the trenches if they have what it takes. They don't even know. They think they have what it takes. But this is like getting an MBA over here. So if you have a serious job and you're an old school work ethic person, this new generation isn't used to the old school work ethic you know, situation. I'm not the one who's going to say at 1240, please, can you take your 15 minute break? I don't even know that that break exists. I, I, they, like, I'm not the HR type of person. I just work my ass off and always have and work harder than anyone around me. So that's like my old school style. So in this new world of everything's balanced and you know, like I, I have to, like someone else has to be around to make sure that that's happening and that hours are balanced and things like that, because I lose track of the time. I lose track of the meal. I lose track of all of it. Cause I, you know, I want to just get it done so everyone can just relax. And that's the same thing with my staff too. It's about your culture. So someone has to fit in with your culture too. Like there's a lot of laughing around here. It's very non-traditional. It's let's kill ourselves and work. And then let's take a couple of days off and breathe at home. Like it's just very feast or famine. So whatever your culture is, you have to make sure you're hiring someone that fits with that culture because there's a cadence to the way your, your business works. There's a, there's a, there's a vibe and someone has to fit in the way that someone has to fit in, in a family or that it's not awkward because we've had people come that may be good, but we all just, it's just awkward and we don't all get along and it feels weird. So it's like a team. You just have to be someone who fits in. So that's number one. And then two, that's your culture. That's what I'm saying. Mine is run and gun. Like, let's do it. Let's do it all. Then let's chill and laugh and have a drink. Like, but that's not every, some people want like, you know, the car at 55 miles an hour at all times depends on your business. Accounting isn't as crazy all the time as this is, but you probably don't get as many just like chill days either. So it, it's gotta be what works for your infrastructure. Okay. Um, I know we only have a minute or two left. So um, let, let me in with this, Bethany. I mean, going forward, do you have like a long-term plan for your business and your brand? And just to give you, you know, some background, like, you know, in my business, my company is called the Marks Group. I mean, I go outside and I get hit by a bus. My company will fall in on itself. Like, that's it. You know, oh. other people are actually building brands. That's what it is. 
And meanwhile, though, you know, my plan has always been, well, I accumulate cash, put it away, pay for my college education, you know, my kids' education and retirement, yeah. and that's what I'm doing. But you're building you a brand. You're my concern, right. my concern with you is that, um, you know, it, it's about Bethany Frankel. You know, I mean, that is like if if you were to go outside and get hit by a bus, what would happen to all of your, you know, all of the the the, the businesses that you built up? How closely are they aligned to you? And have you thought about that? Is that a concern for you? And is that it's something that you want to be addressing? I live my life for, ultimately, I play chess, but for now, for what I love doing, I make decisions based on what I love doing. And I'm definitely building something and I have built something. The Skinny Girl right. brand has thrived for over a decade. So crazy. Right. We're talking about this now. I badger my partners to beg them to give me things to do to promote them on social media to get more sales. And we make millions and millions of dollars without doing that. Meaning those products are living without me doing anything because they're children Good. that became adults that are now in college and graduated and they're living their own lives. I check in on them, but they don't, you know, salad dressings, popcorn, uh, shapewear. This has been a decade of those brands. Yeah. So women go and buy those tank tops and that salad dressing, whether I get hit by a bus or not. I will not be writing books without me. I will not be doing a podcast without me. I will not be doing the new show I'm doing without me or a personal appearance that I get paid a lot of money without me. And that's probably equal, if not a little bit more to the money that I make on the licensing. So it's, let's just say half. Half my business is skinny girl licensing that will live without me and half is not. So that's fine. Like I drop dead, God forbid, God forbid. My daughter will be getting checks from salad dressing. And that's the way it is. But I haven't like planned and I don't, I just don't think that way. I'm not like, I was just talking to my fiance about like older people that are really get cheaper, even though they have t a lot of money. Like we're not like that. I, we, we save like you, I got my pile. I did the skinny girl deal because I wanted my pile. I just sold my apartment in the city, even though I can afford to have it because it was a big pile and I want to keep, I want a real, like, you know, a safety net for my daughter. And like the rest is like, great. Like I'm, Conservative-ish. I'm sensible. I buy things. I sell things. I only buy things that I that are investments. If it's a personal home, it's got to be an investment. If it's a luxury bag or watch, it's got to be an investment. I'm I'm staged in that way. But I do what I want in my business. I do what I love. I'm not build. I'm not building a brand for like. You know what I mean? Like, and and frankly, because of Skinny Girl is about skinny girl a little bit and that's not as current i am doing more in bethany so i'm more into the get hit by a bus problem but i'm okay with that well bethany i have a million more questions for you um but we're out of time and, and oh. i appreciate your time oh, it's fantastic. really really valuable thank you uh, the book itself is great it's called business is personal the truth about what it takes to be successful will stay true to yourself i want to wish you every bit of success with it you definitely deserve it so again thank you and uh Yep, we will we will keep in touch. Take care. Fantastic. Thanks. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how paychecks can help. Visit the resource hub at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychecks can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2022. All rights reserved.